Hey everybody, this is Patrick Cacciatore here with No Struggle, No Story. Here on No Struggle, No Story, we speak with highly successful athletes about struggles and adversities that they faced and how they've used these experiences to grow not only as athletes, but people as well. So today I'm super excited to be bringing on Elma Nafour, professional soccer player for uh, Omaha, the Omaha and the USL League, I, 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 I am uh, pretty sure. USL so, League 1. Yes. USL League 1. So thank you so much for coming on today, my man. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, um, you know, I think these uh, podcasts can be so powerful for so many athletes. And, you know, I spoke with our boy Aiden O'Brien about you and, you know, he said had so many great things. The man, the myth, the legend, huh? Uh, but uh, yeah, he had so many great things to, you know, to say about you and, you know, your outlook on life and the way you really approach the sport. And so, I mean, I guess maybe just start off where it all started for you. You know, how did you start playing soccer and, you know, where did, uh, where did the journey begin? Well, the journey began in Cameroon, technically, because uh, that's my birth country. Uh, and soccer there is basically another religion. Uh, so everybody plays it. I grew up being in that environment, being around that uh, football culture. So when I came to the U.S. at eight years old, that was when I actually um, had the chance to play in some kind of organized setting. And once I got started on that route, I mean, my dad put the idea in my head that I could be a professional. And at the time, it seemed like telling me I could build Noah's Ark. But yeah. <laughs> lo and behold, here, here we are. So no, that's, that's awesome. And so you kind of grew up playing your entire life. Did you go and play college soccer anywhere? Or where? how did that journey kind of progress as you got older? So obviously, with every athlete, the uh, ideal journey is always to go Division One and then get drafted from there. And that was my ambition as well. But I found myself at Spartanburg Methodist College in South Carolina. That is a, a junior college, a JUCO. And I was there for two years and then transferred to Wingate in North Carolina, where I won a national championship there. And, you know, the rest is history. That's awesome. And that's awesome. So I guess taking that unconventional route, you know, maybe not the one that everybody envisions for themselves and stuff like that. How did you take that kind of in stride and what did you kind of maybe learn from that experience? To be quite honest, I think it was better for me. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we, obviously, everybody wants to um, kind of play your youth career, go D1, play like a season or two, get drafted MLS, live in, live in the good life. But I think what happened had to happen to me because um, I also do a lot of public speaking and the demographic in which I, I try to reach, um, they're probably not going to be going to the best schools, the top schools, if any schools for that matter. Mm -hmm. So for me to take uh, what some may consider the unconventional route or go through the JUCO system is actually phenomenal. Uh, because now I have that reach with, with the community that I'm trying to reach with my speaking. Oh, absolutely. I think maybe not only that, but I think when you go JUCO and stuff, it's really about the sport, I think, is really amazing. I think when you get to those big D1, that big D1 level, it can be a lot of hype, a lot of social media, all these things, and it can actually get exactly. you taken away from the reason we're there, right? And I think yeah. that that's a really important fact. So do you feel like going that route maybe even helped you just really dial in on what you love to do and, you know, really like kind of hone in on your craft? I think 
like like again like i said going that route was necessary and i think for me it was 10 times uh better than going d1 for the mere fact that i had told everyone my whole life ever since i got to america i'm talking every paper i wrote in class every little in introduce yourself moment we had anytime i met anyone new i told them i was going to be a professional and so to leave my youth career after winning our state title like six times, uh, playing, I mean, going to Disney Showcase, all these big tournaments, leaving that to going into a JUCO, having to look people in the face and still tell them, hey, I know I'm at a JUCO right now at some school you've never even heard about, but I'm still gonna go pro. I think honestly, going JUCO was the best thing that ever happened to me because it, it made me, stand firm in what I wanted to be. Because uh, trust me, a lot of people were like, you wanted to go, you want, you want to play pro? And you're at some school in South Carolina that nobody's ever heard of. Are you even still playing? And it was tough. It was tough to hear it from people close to me, uh, people that didn't even know me. Uh, like, from a JUCO, are you sure you're going to play pro? So uh, looking them in the face and saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, until it happened was the best thing that could happen. Well, I think that's amazing because I think basically what you did is you took this opportunity that other people don't take with the same view, I think is really important when you talk about is, you know, something that's maybe on a smaller scale, but mm -hmm. you kept your vision, you kept your dream. And I think, you know, there's this thing called like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where basically whatever you tell yourself over time and time, I'm sure you know what it is. Yeah, time and time again and until you manifest it. And so taking that route maybe even motivates you to continue along that even more because you, it almost, you, you use it as motivation rather than something to put you down. Oh, of course. Absolutely. I've always been someone who um, I always look at what society's doing and then I go the opposite direction um, because I figured if the, if the masses are doing a certain thing, then whatever opportunities over there, there's more people going after that thing. Yeah. Um, so growing up, having the ambition of wanting to become a professional all I heard from my teachers, you know, some of the people around me were, Elma, only one in a million make it pro. And I said, perfect. Then that means not everyone's going to be chasing after it. So it makes it more available to me. So uh, a lot of people um, went after what I think to them seemed comfortable um, and to them seemed safe. But I have news for them. You're not going to make it out of this life alive. So nothing is really safe. So you got to go for what you want. No, I think that's really, really incredible, you know, perspective about it. And when you talked about, you know, being uncomfortable, and I think that's the, that's the most necessary thing to growth, right? Is putting yourself in uncomfortable Absolutely. situations and really being able to put yourself somewhere where you've never been and to take you along a route that others aren't going. Like you said, you know, just something yeah. that's out of the ordinary because, you know, the best do what others won't. And so I think that that's a really, really cool thing. And so does that kind of, is that still maybe a philosophy that you use in your pro career is doing the uncomfortable every day and putting yourself in those situations? Absolutely. Um, being uncomfortable is not new to me, uh, especially coming from a whole different continent. Uh, have, being forced to uh, get used to a different environment uh, and just kind of struggle my way through it until I kind of figure out where I felt like I could 
add some value to the United States as a whole. Uh, it's something that, again, was an amazing experience in my life. So every time, whether it's, whether it's a practice during games, I'm always seeking some type of discomfort. Um, but with that also being said, the beauty of going after what you want to do is even in the midst of that discomfort, I'm still playing soccer at the end of the day. So even if I'm working on a new skill or playing in a new position and, you know, trying to learn it in the, in the, the flow of the game, I'm still playing soccer at the end of the day. So I'm uncomfortable, but because of what I'm doing, I'm still comfortable in my discomfort. Yeah. I think that's a really cool point because I think a lot of people struggle with that idea is like, why would I make myself uncomfortable? And I think it comes down to what you talk about your why, right? Like, why do we do this? What are we doing? And so what is your why? And is that what you're drawing on in those times of uncomfortability? What is my why? That is a fantastic question. Uh, my why for what I do, what I do is to be a gateway for those specifically that look like me to want to be or do whatever they want to do as well. Uh, I think that that to me, soccer is just a gift of mine that I identified at a young age and I was able to uh, work on and cultivate. But whether that's through speaking, whether that's through working with kids, whether that's through soccer, to me, honestly, the goal is just to be a channel to where uh, uh, someone that looks like me or any kid in general or anyone in general can look at me and say, well, if Elma's doing it, then I can definitely do it. And that's not like a, a self-hate, like, oh, Elma is so yeah. dumb that if he can do it, I can do it. It's just like, no, Elma's human with two arms, two legs like me. And if he can do it, then I don't see why I can't. Well, I think that's beautiful because I think the biggest thing is not finding our identity in our sport, right? Because at, at the end of the day, I think that can be taken away from us in an instant. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think a lot of us, you know, fail to remember that, that, you know, one career ending injury and it can be, it can be over for us. And so that idea to inspire and to motivate, where did that come from? Is that coming from your heritage, like moving to America and just wanting to really just give people the opportunities that you had this kind of thing, or uh, where does that like stem from? I think that comes from seeing the state that, um, my people are in as a whole i think we're not in the best situation and we're also in a tough uh, place to rectify it because it's going to take a, a group effort to rectify it however while that will take time to rectify especially in america there are things that we can offer the individual person to pretty much do self-therapy and that's kind of what I, I i seek to offer uh, for example, I just finished writing a, a small children's book that I'm going to be going into schools and I'm going to be really advising the kids to read. And it's all about helping them work with their energy because I'm someone who I'm highly energetic all the time. And that's because, again, like you mentioned, I figured out what my my gift is, what my what I'm good at. And when okay. you know what you're good at, can't nobody really tell you when to wake up, when to go to sleep, when to study, when not to. So um, trying to teach kids how to use those tools that they were born with and not to rely on external tools like I don't have enough money. I don't have enough contacts. Well, you got enough passion, enough energy, enough ambition, enough love, enough all these things you can use 
to begin the process of manifesting whatever you want to manifest. It starts in the mind and then it's expressed externally. I think that's incredible because I think that really points in the fact that you're not, you know, your value doesn't come from uh, who you are, from what you do. It comes from who you are. And I think that that's basically what you're trying to teach these kids. And I mean, I think that's so important for everybody in our society to realize, right? Because in this society right now, I feel like so many people are focused off money, jobs, um, you know, how high are you in our social status, things like this. But really yeah. what's more important is, you know, what are you exemplifying every day? You know, what kind of characteristics, you know, who are you trying to become, what you're doing, who are you trying to inspire and all of these things. And so I guess in a way when you're doing this and what we mm -hmm. feel is, you know, this really important path, how do you define your success in that, in, in that, in that category? You know, what makes you successful? Um, in that because I think it can be hard for some people to judge that you know some days because it's not like a normal job where you know you get the trophies or things like that but I think mm -hmm. it's more impactful I think often in this line of work people want to judge success based off how many uh, people they change or how many kids they um, verbally hear from say like oh you've changed my life that's not necessarily my goal to me success can be achieved right now success was achieved yesterday and success can be achieved tomorrow. Simply, if you lay your head on your pillow at night and your mind is at peace with the day, you are successful to me. And when I have that mindset, that means every day that passes, there's an opportunity to me, for me to be successful before any kid ever tells me, oh, Alma, you changed my life or I ever score any goal on the field. So. Every day that I can lay my head down on my pillow and go, well, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z today. I did it. Um, I wasn't hypocritical against myself. If I was doing something because I wanted money, I would tell them, hey, I'm doing this for money. If I'm mm -hmm. doing this to change someone's life, I'll let them know instead of, you know, um, telling someone one thing and thinking a different, like being against myself. I think the sure. Bible is a tool that I use because it's full of principles and it sure. says that a king... A kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction. Absolutely. And so I try to make sure that my conscious mind and my subconscious mind are on the same thing before I lay my head down at night. And I'm I'm in heaven. No, I think that's unbelievable because that really speaks to, I don't know if you know, it's a, psycho it's a psychological term, but cognitive dissonance is oh, basically, absolutely, you know, and I think that's a, a really important one for people to realize is if what you're doing isn't coinciding with the way you feel and your values, then you're going to, that's where anxiety is built, depression and all of these things that are so prevalent in our society. And so I think what you're talking about, it all stems back to that identity and that why. And if you feel like you're doing the things every day to chase after, you know, what you believe in, then I think you find true success as a person. Of course. Of yeah. course. I think that's that's really awesome. And so I guess, you know, the next thing I would kind of want to move into is you said you had a really tough period where you broke your ankle. Right. And so this yeah. almost that that soccer period, which is, you know, a platform that you use to, you know, be able to impact these kids. It was almost taken away from you for a period. So how did you kind of react to that? What was that experience like? Before I answer that, I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit. So breaking my ankle happened in, in uh, college. Okay. Uh, my second year at Spartanburg Methodist College in South Carolina. But in high school, I actually uh, tore my ACL in my left knee. And then, I, what was that? I want to say 
2011. Then my father passed away in 2012. And then I tore my ACL in my right knee in 2013, sat out my uh, senior season 2014. And then finally got to play my first year in college, second year, I broke my ankle. So injuries is nothing uh, new to me. What I will say, however, is within within every, uh, before you get to every Christmas gift, there's usually some type of wrapping paper that you have to take off. And mm -hmm. to me, adversity is simply wrapping paper and there's a present under that. So everything that happened in my life, I never really, never really thought that being a pro wasn't ever gonna happen. Oh. Uh, I always said to my brother, every bad thing that happens, I would always look at my brother and say, this is gonna look great on my documentary. Because that's, that's how you should look at every adversity that happens in your life. I mean, one day someone's going to read the books that you put out. One day someone's going to be interviewing you like this. And then you get the chance to let them know all the bad things that happened to you. And you still push through. So keeping that in mind that it was going to look great on my documentary or in my autobiography or something like that. I mean, it helped oh. me just like push through it. No, absolutely. I think that's awesome. I think it's, you're, you're flipping it. You're flipping the script, right? And like, of you're course. flipping you're, again, I think that goes back to what you talked about, about going against the norm. And when it's like, most people would say, oh man, like, what am I going to do now? How do I deal with this? Oh, I can't play, whatever, whatever, you know? And I think the importance is finding it as an opportunity, um, mm -hmm. you know, more than anything. And that seems like that's, you know, just from speaking with you for a short while, that's how you're viewing everything in your life is this opportunity. And so, I guess when, during those periods, are you doing any of those things? Is it just repetition of what you're saying? Like, how are you keeping yourself motivated, you know, through, you know, multiple years of, you know, struggle? Like, I guess other things that you're going through or exercises you're using that maybe other athletes could take from as well? Well, the main thing that I would say for any, whether it's athlete or just anyone in general, is not really to rely on motivation. Uh, what I seek to do is not necessarily motivate uh, people, it's inspire them because motivation is external. So if I want to go work out and I, my, I don't, my will's not strong enough, I need you to then say, come on, Elma, come on, and you yeah. motivate me. That's external. And if you're not there, then I don't work out. So we, we want to find something within ourselves that inspires us to wake up, that inspire me. I really hate sleeping and all you, all of my teammates and anyone who's come across me will let you know, Elma is usually always awake. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just because once you find that thing within you that inspires you, sleep is the most boring thing because life is meant to be lived. And once you find that thing that wakes you up and keeps you away from even eating food, I mean, you don't really need any external motivation from that point. But I will say, you know, not everybody can um, maintain that way of being over time. So if you're looking for external motivation, I would recommend people like uh, Napoleon Hill, uh, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins. I mean, I listen to these people and read their books pretty much on a daily basis to uh keep reinforcing the idea in my mind. But at the end of the day, I I'm inspired by what I do, not motivated. Yeah, I think that's so important because, yeah, when you talk about, you know, there's all these motivational 
videos that talk about, you know, the things that keep you up, the things that push you to drive you and what you do in the dark when no one else is looking, but exactly. You can't be motivated. Like motivation isn't going to do anything for you in those moments. And I think that's such an important point is because inspiration is going to keep you all, all the time, it's every day, everything you do. And it goes back to that. Why, where you said, this is what's driving you. Cause I'm do, I want to do this with my life. And this is everything to me. So I think that's a really important point. And, you know, speaking of all those people, you should listen. I don't know if you, have you ever listened to Rich Devaney? I have not. I would check him out. So Rich Roll did a podcast with Rich Devaney. He was a um, Navy SEAL for 21 years and mm-hmm. talks a lot about, you know, the attributes that the most successful people in the world all, um, you know, all obtain. And, you know, through like his work with SEAL teams and like they did like a little thing where they basically all came together and they were like, why aren't these SEALs, you know, able to progress to the next level and not these ones? And it's really cool because I think it has a lot to do with what you're talking about, where it talks about resilience. Um, And so I think resilience is resilience to you, that ability to kind of take an opportunity or take an adversity and look at it as an opportunity every time and to keep moving forward. I think resilience to me is something that um, is innately in us. It's innately in us. And uh, to be quite honest, most of the things that I go around to these schools speaking to kids about, it's not something I'm trying to teach them. It's something I'm trying to remind them of. I think, uh, again, like I use the Bible more as a motivational tool, but even in the Bible, the word that is used in the Bible is redeem. Mm -hmm. And we know re means to do again. And so to deem is to re-own something. So the Bible, it keeps encouraging us to re-own our righteousness or to re-own our power. So when I go around these schools, I'm just um, reminding kids of what it's already in them. So persistence is something that's already in you. I mean, kids will try to walk until they walk. Uh, and uh, no wise parent is like, hey, you fell, stop walking or stop trying. So, you know, you're born innately wanting to walk, innately uh, wanting to climb all over, you know, the kitchen cabinets, innately wanting to adventure. You're born innately wanting to grow and move forward. So I think it's just constantly reminding people that, hey, you know, passion, persistence, uh, resilience, all these things are already in you. You just forgot. I'm here to just say, hey, they're in you. That's it. I think that's really cool. I think people will take even just a lot of confidence from that exact statement right there is because a lot of people are, quote unquote, searching to build these things and to find them, right? (laughs) You know, by reminding them that it's in them, it's just finding which ways you want to navigate those feelings towards. Is that basically kind of what you're trying to do? You said it perfectly. A lot of people spend time searching. You know, I speak to kids about bullying and self-significance. And Mm -hmm. I tell the kids, a lot of you think getting the latest iPhone, buying the latest Yeezys, having the latest car is going to bring you significance. The significance comes from within you. If I'm driving a Rolls Royce and I feel like crap, then I still feel like crap. I'm going to... I'm going to permutate, I'm going to uh, reverber- reverberate that energy of feeling worthless and feeling depressed and feeling like crap. So it's not the car, it's the person in the car. For example, uh, if you see a king or a queen, if they're sitting on their throne in, let's say, England or whatever, they're king or queen there. 
if the king or queen moved to Cameroon and they sit on some plastic chair in Cameroon, that plastic chair becomes the royal chair. Because okay. exactly, it's the person. If you're a royalty in England, you're going to be royalty in Cameroon. If you're royalty in the US, you're going to be royalty in Europe. So I want kids to have that feeling of being royalty. And then wherever they sit will become royal. And that's that's incredible because that's the confidence piece of it, right? It's like, where does true confidence come from? And, you know, confidence is not based off of what you do at all. You know, it's, it's really interesting because it's like, I think there's a really cool story about the world number one tennis player, Andre Agassi. You know, he talks about his whole life. He really pushed forward to become the number one tennis player in the world. And yeah. he, everything, 20 years of nonstop. Finally, he gets there when he's 25, right? I think 25 years old. And he goes, that is the emptiest feeling I've ever had in my life. And I just think that's amazing because, you know, we talk about, you know, when people talk about goals and they're like, yeah, I want to do this, but that really shouldn't be your goal. I mean, your goal should, it's all about the journey, man. And it's about what you're learning through and who you're becoming in the process. And I think that that is just the most important thing for all athletes or just people to understand is that, you know, uh, some things aren't in our control, but what you talk about is. I think, um, Again, you, 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 you have a great way of putting these things perfectly, but most people, what they think they want, they don't really want. Yes. <laughs> exactly. what they, and I'm going to say it again for the people in the back, what they think they want, they don't really want. So uh, before you go after something, or not you, but whoever's listening, um, really sit down and take inventory and ask yourself in 5, 10, 15 years, Am I going to look back and say, I, this is exactly what I wanted? And that's an important question to, to ask because we all know that time is currency. This is why we spend time with each other. So you're about to invest this precious thing we call time into going after this thing. So you really got to, you know, count your cost, okay. you know, because a lot of people don't do that. And then when they get to that contract or they get to that whatever, they find that empty feeling. And uh, I was personally never someone to, to think about that empty feeling because again, I was more focused on the journey, like you mentioned, yeah. as opposed to getting to a final destination. Um, well, I think an interesting way of kind of looking at it is, so say, you know, for anybody that's looking at like kind of a materialistic goal, like, okay, so for instance, say you want to win the NCAA championship. If somebody were to give you that trophy right now and call you the NCAA champion, how would you feel right now? And that's an interesting question because it's like great, but not really because it's like, did I, you know, like, how did this happen? What you're going to really care about is those hours you put in the times where you stumbled, the times where you, you know, it looked like you couldn't do it, but the, where all of that beauty comes from is just finding out what you didn't know about yourself. And it was that, that you can get to that goal through all the experiences you put yourself through. For a, for a good about, maybe seven, seven years, I, I want to say, of my youth career, my goal was to win the Disney Showcase, which is one yeah. of the biggest tournaments in the country. And finally, in my last year playing youth soccer, I won the Disney Showcase with my team. Wonderful moment, amazing, got the gold medal, everything was fantastic. I took the gold medal and I gave it to my doctor. Yeah. And you would say, why would you work for seven years for something and then give the medal away? Well, because 
to me, that memory of every year going to the Disney showcase and maybe winning two games here, losing this game or losing in the quarterfinals, losing in the, like always going, that repetition of wanting that trophy was way, way more uh, exhilarating than the medal. I can literally go to Walmart and I can make a medal right now. Like the medal is not the problem. And a lot of people, unfortunately, focus too much on the medal. And the problem with focusing um, too far ahead and not enjoying the journey is that when you get to where you are supposed to be, you're still going to be focusing ahead because that's what you train yourself to do the whole time. So, And that's kind of what I wanted to point out on is after you won that medal, what were those weeks, months after it? What were those like? How were you continuing to motivate yourself? But it's from that idea of the journey, right? Because it all exactly. leads back to that. I think it's a really common thing for high school athletes when they're looking for that college scholarship. And then when they finally get it, they call it like the senior slump, right? And that's because once you get that, it's like, well, now what? Ne- what's yeah. next? But that's yeah. where what we're talking about this mindset is so important because the beauty in getting that scholarship was not the scholarship itself. Yes, it's going to be an amazing experience, probably some of the best four years of your life for sure, right? Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, it, it was that you proved to yourself that you could do the, that you can do hard things. And I think that that's important. So, yeah, I guess kind of going back to that question, what were those months after like? Is it, that mindset? Were you able to just keep moving along? Um, so after I signed my first contract with uh, Lansing Ignite in Michigan, I remember laying on the couch after one practice and calling my mom and saying, all right, mom, 20, what, 24 years old, I, I'm a pro. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, well, you set this goal when you were eight, you stayed with it through thick and thin, you made it happen, set another one. So yeah. I set another one and I went after that. So it's just, to me, I enjoyed the journey so much that n- even the knowledge of knowing that like I'm here was almost detrimental. Yeah. And I, I really need people to hear that because the, what was it? I think there's a quote that says like the knowledge that got me this far is not able to take me further or something like that. Yeah. And it, it's very true because you might want to, you know, be a pro. But what exactly does that mean? And this comes with the specificity of our goals. Uh, For example, my goal before was to sign a contract. Mm -hmm. And when I signed the contract, my mind was like, all right, you're done. Yeah, game over. (laughs) Game over. So so exactly. So is your goal to sign a contract? Is your goal to be in the league for 10 years? Is your goal to be the best player in the league for 10 years? What is your goal? Because once your brain says goal achieved, then you start to get that feeling of, all right, now what? And so yeah. my goal originally was to sign a contract and get into the professional system because I knew once I was in the system, I could play well enough to uh, either move up or bounce team to team at while I'm getting better. So um, just be specific with that goal. And once you get there, understand that as long as your heart's still breathing, you ain't got nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's so important because I think it talks about, you know, the view, the coolest thing about once you get to that, that not the, not the peak, but, you know, part, part to that part of the journey is you realize yeah. that you're actually now surrounded with other people that 
really did similar, like wanted similar things to you. And then that's where continuous building, you learn more and more because you're around these people that have similar goals, similar, you know, mindsets to you. And I think that's the beauty in it. And that's what I found, you know, like getting to collegiate tennis, it's really not about the playing for the, you know, I love playing for Nebraska. Don't get me wrong, but it's really just about the people you, you end up being surrounded with. And that becomes probably the most beautiful thing about it is that you can just, you're, it allows you to grow even more because you can learn from others around you that have gone through similar things as you. Yeah, of course, of course. No, and so I think that's awesome. And so I guess, you know, kind of uh, closing off, you know, towards the end here, if you had to give one of the most important pieces of advice you could to somebody who's going through a big adversity or struggling to maybe get through a tough moment, what would that be? If I had to give one piece uh could i give two pieces absolutely <laughs> i and there's no limit there's no limit <laughs> um the first piece of advice i would give to someone going through um some adversity or who may be uh being plagued by their own memory because that's something that tends to kind of play play tricks on us for example i tried out for four different teams before i was signed and i got rejected by all of them now if you have that in your mind you could take that to the next tryout and be like well i didn't make these last four teams uh and remember how we talked about your wealth isn't because of the car you have it's yeah. the feeling of wealth so if we take that feeling of rejection to the next tryout the chances of us getting picked is not going to be it's not going to be good so my first piece of advice to anyone is to understand that you did the best you could with the knowledge that you had at the time. Because mm-hmm. to, uh, And then my second piece of advice to anyone would be visit your childhood self. Yeah. Visit your childhood self. I cannot stress that enough because you're, it's the child in you that identified that thing that you were going after. I love soccer because I love the, the feeling that it gave me. Um, it was my place of competence. It was my place of confidence. It was my place of high self-esteem. And that came of running around as a kid, you know, screaming, going after the ball. And I never wanted to lose that childlike feeling of the game, side of the game. And if you come to our practices or you, you've seen me play or videos of me, I'm always joking around, laughing around because that's the child self in me that got started and I don't want to lose that. So really work on your, uh, on your imagination. Just sit down and literally picture your childhood self and have a conversation with yourself. Why did I get into this? Why did I do this? Why did I get started down this journey? And your childhood self is going to tell you why. And when you figure out that reason, just keep, you know, close to that side of you and you'll be, you'll be, fantastic no it's true because back then that was prior to you know all of the stress all the drama all the expect you there's no expectations on you as a kid so you're of doing course. what you dream of and that's the beauty what were you doing before the expectations and before other things started to influence you towards a certain way or towards a certain way and that's where you're going to find your happiness and i think at the end of the day that's what's one of the most important things to all of us right is just really finding fulfillment and happiness in, in our life and i think that's really really cool I think with the way that life moves, there are certain benchmarks just within our society that a lot of people feel the pressure to adhere to. Uh, For example, um, society 
says you you got to go to college. Society says you got to do this X, Y, and Z. You got to get married at this time. Do not fall into the trap of trying to go with society. Because when you were born, you weren't born a society. And I cannot stress this to people enough. You were born an individual first. You weren't born American first. You weren't born African first. You weren't born black or white first. You were born Elma first. And yeah. every decision should be made from Elma first and then uh, nationality, uh, race, uh, society next mm -hmm. after the fact. So Absolutely. always keep that in mind that you're an individual and don't try to keep up with society. Your journey is different. And that's the beauty in your journey that it's different. Not because you and Elma both went to Juco, both went to Wingate, both got a contract in Lansing, both played in Omaha. That's boring. Nobody wants yeah. to hear the same story. So exactly. Go ahead, how do you, you know, how do you learn if it's something that you've already done, right? And that, that, yeah, somebody, exactly. somebody else has already done. I mean, I'm not I, I'm not saying I'm bad with the ladies, but I always say this. I always say this. If I'm with a significant other, I don't want to be attached to them the whole day. Yeah. Because if we are doing the same thing uh, or we're doing the same thing the entire day, at the end of the day, I don't have anything to talk to you about. It's so true. Did the same thing. So it's unbelievable. I, you know, it talks about there's like that saying where it's like uh, sometimes distance makes the heart grow fonder, and that's why because then you, you know, that's a good one, right? I think that ooh. one speaks to it. We got some money in the bank right there, baby. There we go. Uh, um, but yeah, oh it's God. true because I think when that happens, you know, like you want you love them, and that, that's your person. You want to hear about what they what they've done, what they've grown, how they've like been going about their day, and like that's what you love to hear about. You know what I mean? It's you don't want to be the same person. You love them for who they are and not for who you are. Of course. And it's I mean, unless you're super egotistical and you want to date yourself, but I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard of many like that. I'm pretty good looking, but I wouldn't say I'm gonna date myself. You know? <laughs> but it's just it's just that. And we mentioned before that adversity isn't a bad thing. So uh, I know a lot of people, especially when it comes to their significant other, they don't want that separation. But again, referring to the Bible, whenever God wanted to use someone in the Bible, he always took them away from society. He always isolated them, whether it's having a whale swallow them up, whether it's leading them to the wilderness, even Jesus, when he wanted to pray, he went away from the disciples. So we, and COVID has been awful. And I don't have to go into details why it's been awful. But I think something that's beneficial in this time is a lot of people are getting time by themselves. And mm -hmm. only when you get to that time by yourself that you can start to really figure out more about yourself and address some of maybe the insecurities that you have. Because to be honest, it's not what you have to do or want to do that's holding you back. It's you that's holding you back. Always. Uh, it's, it's, it's not you. external. It's, all, it's no. always coming from the internal because everything that's external, it can really be labeled however you want it to be. And that's the point. That's something that people have to remember is that whatever you're thinking a situation is may, may be like that from the outside, but to you, it doesn't have to look like that, you know? And that's a way that people can look at COVID as well is, you know, for me, COVID yeah. has been probably, you know, it, it sounds bad. I do not mean it. Absolutely. What I have oh, never had to happen for sure. No, like no deaths, please. Like don't take yeah. it this way. But for me has been probably 
the most gratifying and incredible mm-hmm. experience of my life because of what I've learned about myself and I learned about who I am and it's taken my life in a completely different direction than I probably would have thought so you know whatever it was 12 uh, one yeah. year ago you know and I think that's pretty cool yeah I mean things like this definitely um I think it's easy for us to paint it in a negative light uh again no one ever goes to their garden and says, come on, weeds, grow. Come on, weeds. You don't have to, weeds just naturally grow in the garden. Exactly. So it's, it's easy for negative thoughts to naturally grow in our garden. So I think yeah. every day uh, showing up um, ready to cultivate your garden, ready to take care of your garden, ready to uh, stand at the gate of your mind and say, today I'm only letting in positive thoughts I'm only letting in helpful thoughts, joyful thoughts. And when you start to think that way, uh, it, it fills your entire body with the feeling of whatever it is you want. And once you walk around with that feeling, everybody can see it in the way you smile or the way your face lights up. And they go, there's something about that person that I want to exactly. be near them. I want that. And exactly. honestly, you, you said it, but I really want to touch on it as well. The reason why I will go to hell and back to accept responsibility and put responsibility on myself is for the main for the same reason why I took God out of the sky and put him in me um, is the same reason why the blood at the blood bank is not as useful to me as the blood in me. Um, if everything is from within me, I have the power. Exactly. I can change it. I can work with it. I can adjust it as need be. But if God's in the sky, then I'm praying to the sky, hoping something happens. If the blood that I need is at the blood bank, then I'm hoping to get to the blood bank. If, you know, uh, what I need to change my circumstances is externally, then I'm hoping the external can change. No, everything is internal. That's what I tell the kids so that they have 100% power over themselves. Exactly. And I mean, that's, it's funny how it all coincides, right? When it's really talking about, you know, it all starts here and and with what you want to do. And it really, that's really where that term, I think, you know, it's very common when people say like life is what you make it, but it really is. And like, it's not what you make it based off of somebody else. It's based off of how you are viewing and labeling everything that's coming your way. And that's, Really, you can create, I think, I truly believe you can create your own happiness. You can create your own form of fulfillment by just the way that you're looking at every single situation. I think the verse that comes to mind, and I don't know it like uh, with the numbers and everything like that in the specific book, but it says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, Try whatever society's doing, don't conform to that. change the way you think. Don't think like everybody else. Figure out what it is you're going after, that thing that inspires you, and then think in a way that is conducive to drawing that thing to you. People tend to forget that your mind is like a magnet, and whatever you put in it will draw whatever to you. Um, And this happens over a sustained period of time. Uh, I, I said to my little brother not too long ago, I said, it's good that we don't get what we want right away. Exactly. Yeah, because some, I mean, sometimes I'm sitting on the couch and I see like on Animal Planet, some lion or something. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to have as a pet. Uh, I wouldn't want that thing to pop up in my room. 
No. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man, so, you don't want to wake up next to that in your face. <laughs> you do not. You do not. So it's good that it, it was set up this way that whatever you want doesn't just happen right away. Because okay. some of us have negative thoughts about ourselves, And if that manifested right away, that would not be good. So having those positive thoughts over a sustained period of time is what the Bible calls faith. Yeah, but exactly. It's just, Time is currency, like you said. And I think that that's where you learn about it, right? I mean, that's what of happens course, over time. Repeated actions over time is what builds who you are. And the, the compound effect by Darren Hardy. That's a there good you go, man. I mean, that's man, I, I, we could go on all day about this. We got all these quotes. I love it. But, uh, I got them for days. It's awesome. I love it. But no, I think, you know, overall, I think we went through so many important things today. And I think so many people are going to take so much from it. And I think, you know, that's the beauty of it, right? That's what we really want out of this. Of yeah, Alma, I just really appreciate you uh, coming on today, man. I thought that was awesome. I had so much fun. That was sick. Let's be in touch because, man, I'm, I'm ready to jump through a wall right now. Hey, there we go. I love that energy. There Let's go, go, baby. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So good luck with everything. And, yeah, be in touch. If you ever need anything, I'm, I'm always here, my man. I got you. I got you. Thank you. Yes, sir.